Last week, I gifted myself a, well, a little gadget. I, I You know, I love my gadgets, and uh, every once in a while, I have to give myself a treat. This time, it was an update to my watch, my Apple Watch, because I had the original Apple Watch going way back to the, yeah, the first one that came out. Still working, by the way, but uh, didn't have all the features and all the neat things that go into the newest technology. So I thought time is right and I'm going to go ahead and get it. So I've got it. I've got a newer iPhone. But the one thing that I started to look at when I got these devices was the fact that they've got some technology in there that would even help me if there was, heaven forbid, a car crash that I was in or if I took a tumble down the stairs. And yes, I have done that in my life wearing socks on wood stairs. Um, But, uh, you know, there are times when you can really get into a situation. And if the Apple Watch can save you or devices like that can help you out, in those cases, you think, wow, that's pretty cool. Until something like this comes along. And it seems like in the last uh, few weeks, that the new collision feature on the Apple devices, while they're triggering false alarms for the already stretched emergency crews, Uh, false alarms for people that uh, took maybe a minor fall, but didn't get around to knowing that uh, you've got 20 seconds to call off help, or for people that may have gone on an amusement ride and, uh, you know, hit some G-force kind of, um, I don't know, non-collision events that are wanted. So these are some of the challenges. That's where we are now. And I want to bring in a technology analyst and journalist to talk a little bit more about this, especially when it comes to the Apple Watch. Carmi Levy, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I know it's a long introduction, but I've got to say, are you impressed with this new direction or not, Carmi? Oh, yeah, I am, Bruce, and great to be here, by the way. Thanks for having me on. I, I mean, this is technology that, uh, you know, has already saved lives. There have been a number of car accident victims, largely in the U.S., um, who, uh, you know, if this thing hadn't worked, if crash detection had not called emergency services, uh, these individuals uh, might have not survived because they weren't otherwise visible, um, at, you know, at, from the road, and they went off the road, went into a ditch, and so, and there wasn't anyone else around. It was a remote area. So we're already seeing the, the, the toll of lives saved start to grow. And this is a generation, generational groundbreaking technology. Uh, and so it's definitely for the good. And ideally in future, every, every smart device, so smartphone, smart watch, any kind of portable wearable device will have this kind of tech technology just baked into it. It'll be just like text messaging. You won't even think about it. But yeah. we're not at that point yet. It's still relatively new, relatively novel. And the crash detection feature that was introduced on the new iPhones this year, the iPhone 14, the new Apple Watch, the Series 8, uh, as well as the Ultra, uh, it's still version 1.0. So there are going to be some bugs at first, and they're going to have to tweak the programming. And uh, unfortunately, because of the way this works, there are probably going to be some false positives along the way, and that's what we're seeing here in BC. You know, the crash detection technology, um, basically when they start to use a marketing team in Apple, uh, it just looks like magic. Uh, they don't talk about the technology itself. 
but they talk about and show in a video uh, of what happens. Uh, and I'm thinking of the one video that I saw where somebody is taking a spill off a uh, a bike on a trail and going, mm-hmm. uh, you know, A over tea kettle onto the ground and uh, and getting up and uh, or trying to get up. And there's the watch to help out if it was a serious crash. But what is the technology? What's happening? What makes that work? Because that's never addressed in the actual marketing. No, they don't. And that's sort of the hallmark of Apple is they'll they'll sell you the sizzle, the features, they'll, they'll explain the benefits of it, but they don't really spend a lot of time talking about the technology inside. And that's just the way Apple marketing is. And that's probably one of the reasons why the company is so successful. They're selling to everyday consumers who really can't be bothered with how fast the processor runs or how much memory it has. They just want to know how it can improve their lives. And so the way it works is actually, I mean, it's, it's, it's on the surface, it's simple, but underneath it really isn't. It uses the, the sensors on the device. So every iPhone and every new iPhone and every new Apple Watch has accelerometers built into it. So they're very sensitive devices, sensors that know exactly where you are in three-dimensional space can detect certain kinds of movement, uh, like, for example, if you're in a car and you get hit or if you plow into a wall or T-boned at an intersection. And, and coupled with those accelerometers, there's software, algorithms that are constantly kind of pulling the accelerometer and going, does it look like an accident? Does it look like an accident? And, you know, no, you know nine, 999 times out of 1,000, the answer will be no. But the one moment when it detects an accident where it meets that profile, the algorithm will say, okay, I'm going to kick off a sequence of activities, and it'll start a countdown. It'll, it'll sound the alarm. It'll, it'll, it'll beep the haptic so you'll actually feel it vibrate. Um, and it'll get louder and more intense. And if you don't answer it after 10 seconds, it'll start a countdown, uh, at which point it will, 10 seconds later, it'll call 911 because you're not responsive. And it'll repeat a message to 911 emergency responders, and it'll also give you a location because, of course, it has GPS, and they'll, it'll direct them to come find you. So there's this process. It's, it's, it's new hardware coupled with some pretty sophisticated programming. And what seems to be happening here is that um, it's tripping off. It's activating in cases where it isn't a car accident. In other words, someone is just skiing down some white powder and happens to fall and it mistakenly trips off and says it's an accident and it starts the process. Or in one case, it was in the glove compartment of a snowmobile. And so the snowmobiler didn't even know that it was happening because the phone was in his glove compartment and it called uh, emergency services. The next thing he knows, there's a helicopter coming to find him. And oh, he was embarrassed, but, you know, false positive. So, you know, we're still at the point where the, the programming clearly has some somewhere to go. Apple's got to work on it. Apple's got to get more data. And Apple's got to get its, its engineers to maybe tweak it so it isn't quite so sensitive and, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't sort of, you know, turn your snowmobile ride into uh, an adventure with a helicopter from emergency services. Do we know if this first version, the 1.0 of crash detection, does it have any learning or AI in there? So by that, I mean something that can actually calculate if it was a correct call or an incorrect call and then go and reconstruct the circumstances. I would assume that it does. Apple, of course, is not really saying anything. Um, So I don't have independent confirmation of it. And short of going through the code line by line, I can't confirm that independently. But the way these technologies usually work is they do take, and you'll also, you'll notice sometimes when you first install them, you'll, you'll see a screen. Most of us don't read this stuff. 
But you'll see a screen that asks if you want to share data from your device with the manufacturer, in this case, Apple, uh, to help them improve the product going forward. So I am absolutely certain, even though Apple won't confirm it, that data from Apple Watches and iPhones is flowing back to Apple, that it is going into very large databases, and Apple's engineers will be using this data to improve it, version 2, version 3, version 4, to the point that it is very reliable, that it will work when we need it to work, but it won't work when we don't need it to work. And that's really where we need to get. I've, I've got a Garmin watch and that oh, yeah. is par- that's partnered with my iPhone. And um, I got it last year. And pretty soon after I got it, uh, I fell on the ice while walking the dog. And I was really slow getting up. And it tripped off. And it called, it, the way I had set it up was I, I turned it on and it called my wife, who was rather upset and, and because I wasn't answering immediately. But it proved to me that the technology works. And I'm a cyclist, a distance cyclist, so I, I can literally be 100 kilometers away from home. And if something happens, I want someone to know. So it's a technology that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's been around for a few years on other vendors. The difference with Apple is it's turned on by default. So um, many, many consumers, and this is a consumer-grade product, they won't even know that it's on the device until it actually activates. And unfortunately, this is the kind of technology that you probably should manually activate. In other words, opt in and then have that conversation with your loved ones, with you know, sort of the key people in your life so they know that it's on the device. They know what happens if something happens to you absolutely critical sort of piece of the technology is that human factor that seems to be getting forgotten in all of that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, There would be the other side of it too. Are we trusting our devices too much? Um, Do do you think that there's going to be this faith put in, hey, if I have an accident, I'll be taken care of. My watch is going to call out. Or when it comes to and Apple's being good with uh, their health apps and really pushing hard. But if I have a heart attack uh, or something, uh, don't worry. The watch is going to let me know. <laughs> yeah, there's no question there. And I think there's always that risk of putting too much trust in the technology. And I think we need to look at this as assistive technology, but to other things. In other words, have an emergency plan in case something happens. Have a communication plan in case something happens. Long before I got my Garmin, uh, you know, that I was using on my long on my long bike rides, I still had a plan with my family that, heaven forbid, something happened to me while I was on my bike. There was a way for them to, you know, get me back, get me to the medical care that I needed, uh, and I've needed it on a number of occasions because I, you know, I ride far and fast. It, ha- you know, I've had accidents. So this technology is assistive, but it doesn't replace all the other absolutely important planning that you have to go through uh, before you head off into the bush, before you go on a long trip away from uh, society, away from an urban area. So, you know, I I think that's what's important here is to remember, too, that the Apple Watch is not it's it's not like Garmin or Sunto or other sort of, um, you know, you know, uh, outdoorsy type brands. In other words, this is selling to mass market consumers who traditionally have not used these technologies before and they seem to think it's a replacement for that kind of planning that's not the case where are we going in the future do we think that this is going to be the direction going into 2023 more things to uh to help you with your own safety or else health and uh, that type of thing 
Oh, absolutely. I think wearables in general are becoming pretty central to sort of what we call the wellness or healthcare market where, you know, they help you lead a better life. It started, you know, 10 or 15 years ago with Fitbits that counted your steps. But really, they've become a lot more sophisticated since then. You'll notice like an Apple Watch has a whole lot more sensors on it that will track all sorts of things. Your, your, you know, your heart rate, your blood pressure, your, ox- your blood oxygenation level, your temperature. Uh, and then it'll use software to kind of fuse all that information and create a pretty comprehensive picture over time of your health and those trends in your health. And uh, we're seeing uh, medical device companies increasingly use devices, consumer devices like the Apple Watch to create medical solutions. And certainly from a healthcare perspective, we need to do more with less. You know, Canada's facing a healthcare crisis. Uh, Better wellness, uh, wearable focused devices really can accomplish a lot. Imagine you no longer just have to check your blood pressure, you know, once every time you go to your doctor's office, you can actually share the data from your watch with them and they can see how it's evolving over time. It's a much better diagnostic tool. And so I think we're heading in that direction and certainly as consumer grade devices like the Apple Watch become mainstream, I think that opens up a whole lot of opportunity for all sorts of new applications. And I think it will have benefit uh, for our health. It will have benefit for Canada's healthcare system uh, because it will drive efficiencies. Uh, certainly, there will be some privacy-related uh, issues along the way, but we can address those. And it's one of those cases where the benefits outweigh the risks, and certainly we can address those risks. But we owe it to ourselves to use technology to make ourselves as healthy as possible this is, uh, you know, probably the best way. The best way, and I think we're seeing uh, because pretty much everyone is buying a smartwatch these days. We're seeing the market head in that direction. You know, it's amazing. We uh, talk about a watch doing so much, and uh, some of that is diagnostic type things, um, and it's in such a small little space and relatively inexpensive when you take a look at uh, diagnostic equipment used by the medical community. Does the medical community? really accept the data that you give them uh how is that being uh are they taking it seriously when you have consumer uh uh, stats and metrics uh, that you take into your doctor's office it's a really good question and i think it is gonna it is taking time and it will continue to take time for the medical establishment to accept that this is the new normal and so you know out of the box an apple watch really is not a medical grade diagnostic tool um, but there are some solutions that, that Apple is partnering with. So healthcare providers in the U.S. and Canada who are building solutions that are being used in the medical practices and hospitals today. And so I think that's where the, where, you know, you're going to see more investment there where, um, you know, like, so for example, a doctor might use that. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be an app that you install on your iPhone or your, your Apple Watch. And then it tracks your activities over time, you know, at you know at medical grade, and then it shares that data back with the practice, and they use that for diagnostic purposes. That, but it's built on this consumer grade Apple product, which you know can be used in a pinch for medically diagnost, you know, medical diagnostic purposes. And so I think we're going to see more of that because up until now, a lot of these diagnostic tools have been very proprietary, very expensive, and very limited only to people who can afford them. And so this is opening it up significantly, and it means that basically anyone who can afford an Apple Watch 
um, can get one. There's a reason why we're seeing, for example, insurance companies yeah. now make these devices available as, as part to their policyholders in some cases for free. You know, sign up for this program. We'll give you the Apple Watch for free. And then, of course, they use the data that it gathers to provide better insurance products. Yeah, does it freak me out from a privacy perspective? Yes, but it also allows people to lead healthier lives, and I think that is a trade-off most people are willing to make. Well, Carmi, we could definitely see some of the downside to that, too, when it comes to insurance companies and monitoring. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, Consumer Electronics Show is coming up in January. Uh, I don't know if you go or not. I've been to several in in the past myself, Uh, but I'm always interested to see what the direction is for the latest phones. How big a play is health and security going to be when it comes to CES this year, do you think? It was bigger this year than the previous year, and I think in 2023 it'll be even bigger than that. And I think we're seeing that trend line definitely head up, and I think that it's going to get even steeper in the years to come because if you think about healthcare budgets, you think about what all of this already costs us, uh, and if you're kind of a company thinking, hey, I want to go into a market where there's Lots of money, lots of opportunity, aging population, so there will be more, more, you know, more purchases of these products and services in future. Uh, this is probably the fastest-growing subsector of the wearable market out there. So we'll, we're going to be seeing a lot more in Vegas, and we're also going to be seeing a lot more in the market over the next year. It'll be interesting to see, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about it. Won't be going this year, but uh, hearing about it and seeing uh, what's going to end up in our phones uh, this time. Carmi Levy, thank you so much for uh, joining us and uh, sharing your insights with us. So great being here with you, Bruce. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you.